Language is the source of misunderstandings. Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Leasis. And I'll start by apologizing for that terrible French pronunciation, because I never took French. This is our final episode of our series regarding reader psychology. And one of the main reasons why we look at reader psychology is to make sure that we're clearly communicating to our readers. The biggest issue when it comes to communicating clearly to the readers is literally things just getting misunderstood. There are many things that an author can do accidentally that causes a misunderstanding and confusion with the reader. Therefore, this episode, we want to bring up a handful of mistakes that authors often make that lead to miscommunications, and then how to solve these mistakes and make sure that you are communicating clearly to your readers. Each of these things that we're bringing up will have a place in certain books, in certain ways, but for the most part, it's very easy for them to do more harm than good. It's something to be paying attention to while you're going through your editing process to make sure that you're kind of going through a checklist, that you're looking at every one of these aspects to make sure that if it's there, it belongs there. The very first one we want to talk about is passive voice. This is when you put the object before the action. We have done an episode on this already, but it also falls really well in today's episode. So an example of passive voice would be that Christmas is celebrated by Candace every year. The way that can miscommunicate to your audience is it can change what the priority is in the sentence. When you're using passive voice in that example, Christmas is the priority, not Candace. If you as an author are trying to prioritize Christmas, great. That's one way that it works. If your main character is Candace and stuff is happening to Candace and Christmas is one of those things, Candace should probably be at the beginning of the sentence. If you want to identify whether or not you're using passive voice, look for the word by. It was celebrated by Candace. Or if you need to put in by zombies at the end of the sentence, if it makes sense as a sentence, then you're using passive voice. And to fix it, all you have to do is swap the placement. So instead of Christmas is celebrated by Candace, it's Candace celebrates Christmas. This is a super easy fix once you're able to identify it. Again, go back to that other episode when we covered it for more information on that. The next one to keep an eye out for are confusing character names. Love Lord of the Rings, love Tolkien in some ways. He was a master at confusing names. When your two villains in the story are Sauron and Saruman, what else are you going to ask for? Not helpful because we can't keep track of the characters. I thought Sauron and Saruman were the same character throughout the entire Fellowship of the Ring. That's pretty bad. So if you have two characters that are especially similar in personality or in goal, and then you also make their names similar, it's really easy to mix them up. I think if Sauron and Saruman had been on opposite sides of the One Ring conflict, it may not have been so bad. But because they were allies and working together, 
it became a confusing mix of, wait, who is what in this situation? Because they're both on the bad side. We mentioned in our names episode that sometimes you want to connect characters like Eowyn and Eomer as siblings, having them connected makes sense. But you might notice that even though they start the same, they end very differently enough that it's easy enough to tell the difference between the two. The only similarity that they have in their names is the first two letters, E-O. But overall, we suggest only having one character per letter of the alphabet. It makes it so much easier because they can see that very first letter and know, okay, that is this character. Especially in Tolkien, if it's a L blah, 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 then okay, it's probably Legolas. If it's A blah, 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 Aragorn. It makes more sense. We don't have a lot more G's besides the Gimli lineage. Another incredibly common way to confuse your readers is to have two names and one pronoun that applies to either name. This is especially difficult to catch because you, the reader, know which he you're talking about. So in our example, Bob and Jack went to the movies before he had to go to the doctor. Which he has to go to the doctor. That type of phrasing and any type of pronoun can be incredibly difficult for the reader and they'll end up rereading the sentence over and over again until they figure out, oh, it was Jack that had to go to the doctor or whatever. You don't want to fix this by saying, Bob and Jack went to the movies before Jack had to go to the doctor. You do want to avoid using the name twice in a sentence. You can if you must, but likely there's a way to solve this problem simply by rephrasing the whole thing. To rephrase it, to restructure it, it's before Jack had to go to the doctor, he and Bob went to the movies. That way you're only introducing one of those characters in this sentence, assigning the he pronoun to him, and then introducing Bob. This also has a secondary effect of prioritizing one of the characters over the other. If you're struggling with making your voice deeper and more intimate to the point of view character and less omniscient, this is a great way to make sure we know who's your main character in at least that sentence. The next thing that I find I struggle with the most as far as reading and misunderstanding are those run-on sentences. I looked up the Wikipedia article for run-on sentences, and the entire article is one run-on sentence. It's beautiful and amazing. How did you find the quote for this example? I literally went to my shelf and picked up Darker Shade of Magic, which was on my to-be-read list until I finished Adi Luru. Picked it up, opened it up to the first page, and found this sentence immediately. So when Kel passed through the palace wall and into the anteroom, he took a moment to steady himself. It took its toll moving between worlds, and then shrugged out of his high-collared coat and turned it inside out from right to left so that it became a simple black jacket. The sentence starts off by going, when Kel passed through the palace and into the anteroom. Okay, we're, we're talking about him traveling. It ends talking about his jacket in a way that makes almost no sense. There's at least two sentences here, if not three or four. It took its toll, moving between worlds, is its own sentence. Throw that over there. (laughs) 
Part of the reason why run-on sentences are bad is that through the sentence, if you have multiple subjects, multiple objects, it becomes confusing to keep track of the action and what is actually happening. And it especially becomes difficult to keep track of the purpose behind the sentence. These sentences have to be reread, which takes you out of the story, which slows things down, which almost never serves your story. In order to fix this, all you need to do is break up the sentence. Break it into two, three, four, however it needs to be, so that you have one subject, one object, whatever, per sentence. You don't need to be talking about the room and then how it's difficult to travel and then turning your jacket inside out. These are three independent thoughts and quite possibly, if they're responding to each other, different paragraphs. Please don't put them in the same sentence. The next thing we want to address are accidental red herrings. This is really important to keep in mind for your murder mysteries because in a murder mystery, you want your red herrings to be purposeful. You want to have the reader think that it's this person for a reason. You don't want to accidentally include clues that point to the wrong people that you never intended to be red herrings because then the readers start to feel deceived. Like they misinterpreted something along the way that now leads them to simply being confused. This can happen with more than just your murder mysteries. We think of red herrings as a murder mystery kind of tool. But these things that lead nowhere, that we think are going to lead somewhere, that will also be an accidental red herring that distracts your reader from focusing on the story you're trying to tell. All of this leads to misunderstandings in your book that can just be simply fixed by making his tie green instead of red. Because readers do pay attention to details. They pay attention to those little minute things that as the author, we throw in offhand, not even realizing that it could be a link to your main plot. We know that readers pay attention to details. That doesn't mean they will always catch everything. Another way to make sure that your audience misunderstands what you're doing is to put a really long paragraph and put an important detail right in the middle. We've mentioned before, and we will mention again next month especially, info dumps are bad you need to avoid them. There are other ways that you can give people the information they need without making it an exposition paragraph. The solution of how to avoid an info dump can be fairly complex depending on the type of info dump you're doing. Therefore, stay tuned. Finger guns. We will be talking about that all next month, how to avoid info dumps, how to get the right information out there that's going to be in the works. Overall, when you are looking at the misunderstandings, it's really hard to catch on your own. That's why you need an editor. Get an editor. Someone else to look at the story that can point out where they were confused, where they got misled, so you can fix it. And if you're beta reading or if you're doing an advanced edit, make sure that you're pointing out your emotional reactions to stuff. So that when you go, oh, does this mean he's the murderer? And the author goes, uh, no. They know something needs to change. But your readers, your editors, they can't look at anything if you haven't actually written. So go out there and write selfishly. 
If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 